Hello, I'm Willie George. I want to welcome you to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. And I'm so glad you've joined me. Be sure you subscribe to this podcast. It'll help us out so much if you do that. And then hit the like button and uh, also ring the bell to, to, so we can give you notifications when a new one is ready. And then if you haven't yet signed up for that free email devotion that I send out every morning, every time there's a podcast, there's a, a partner companion email to come with it. Go to myfaithroots.com and we will get that right away to you and get you on the list. And we're not going to hit you up for money or ask you to, to donate. And it, it, listen, this is my gift, my blessing to you. I want to help you by giving you this teaching uh, 20 days out of every month. Covenants of Promise, part six. Ephesians 2.12 is where we're taking our text. You had no connection with Christ. You were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. You were outside of God's co covenants and the promise that goes with them. Now, after Abram had this battle with these kings from the east, and we talked about that in our last episode, he beat them, he overcame came them he sent them home no doubt some survived but but there was a, the bible calls it a slaughter so he killed a number of these people and uh, genesis 15:1 right after it god appeared to him and he said do not be afraid abram i am your shield your very great reward now the bible tells us something interesting about this it says that the word of the lord appeared to him in a vision. Now that's interesting to me because normally you would think that if it's just a word that he heard the word, but the word of the Lord appeared. Well, you know what he's experiencing here? He is seeing the pre-incarnate Christ. I'll never forget when I first became a Christian, I read about Jesus in Matthew, read about Jesus in Mark and in Luke. But when I got to the Gospel of John, it kind of threw me a curveball because I found out in Gospel of John right away, first chapter, that there is this character called the Word of God. And I don't know who it is. And I read a little further and I realize, well, this is Jesus. And I realized that's what he was called. And, and you know, I didn't know anything about God. I thought Jesus came into existence at Bethlehem. I didn't realize He existed forever, that God uh, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit were forever together in the ancient eternal past, and that Jesus took upon Him the form of a baby at Bethlehem, and that's when He became Jesus. But before that, He's called the Word of God. Well, what we see here. In Genesis 15, this, this is the Word of God coming and appearing to Abraham. And uh, he says, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. So I'm sure Abram's glad to hear this because he may be thinking, Are those guys coming back? Are they going to come back next year? And are they going to regroup and bring more soldiers? Am I going to have to fight these guys again? And, and, but the Lord says, don't be afraid. So he's basically saying it's not going to happen. And you know, that's one of the great benefits of being in covenant with God. No matter what you're facing, God will always tell you, do not fear. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1, 7, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The fear is never appropriate for a child of God. This is not your calling. You're not called to fear. 
Now, so the pre-incarnate Christ appeared to him, and he calmed Abram's fears, and then he said, I am your exceeding great reward. Now, Abram was looking for land, and he was looking for a son. He wanted an heir. And the Lord Jesus, the pre-incarnate word, appears to him and says, I'm what you're looking for. In other words, he is saying, I am the ultimate fulfillment of everything that you are going to have in your life. It comes through me. Now, I want to read to you from the New Testament a verse that really sums this up. It's Romans 8.32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Now, what does that mean? It means anything that you genuinely need, anything that makes your life more complete, that you really have to have, anything like that. And by the way, God has given me down through the years a number of wonderful desires because I put Him first and I served Him first. God gave me great desires and, and, and he, or he fulfilled my desires and, and blessed me with little things in my hobbies and so forth that were beyond my wildest dreams. And, and, and God gave me the girl of my dreams. She gave me a wonderful wife and wonderful kids. I mean, I put God first, and how, how did he not freely give me all things? It's not the stuff. It, it's the relationships. And that's what uh, Jesus was teaching Abram right here. And he said, I am your very great reward, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And this is only fulfilled in Christ. In other words, he could not experience this if it were not for the coming of Christ. And so Jesus came to fulfill all of the things that God said to Abram. So you wonder why we're doing this story on Abram, because he's an Old Testament character. It is because his covenant is still at work, and we have been brought into his family. We are in the covenants of promise. Mosaic covenant, that one has been fulfilled. The Davidic covenant, that was fulfilled to David. But the Abrahamic covenant belongs to us. It's a everlasting covenant, an everlasting covenant. And we're a part of it. So Jesus' earthly ministry was done to fulfill God's promise to Abraham. Listen to this, Matthew 1.1. 1, 1, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David. The what? The son of Abraham. So he is saying, I've come... Because of Abraham. I'm coming, fulfilling Abraham. Later on, Jesus heals a lady who's bent over. She's been bound for 18 years. She has not been able to stand up straight. Everywhere she walks, her head is down near the ground. There's horrible suffering. And Jesus heals her, raises her up. Luke 13, 16. Then should not this woman, Jesus said, a daughter of Abram, or Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, should she not be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? And then later on, he says that even our time in eternity is tied to the Abrahamic covenant. Now listen, Matthew eight eleven, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Jesus is basically saying to Abraham here at this point in time, look, I'm coming as Messiah, and I'm coming through your family. And Jesus and Abraham knew each other. 
Abram was very much concerned about one very significant part of the covenant that God had not addressed in detail. God hadn't said anything about this. Abraham said here in Genesis 15 while God's talking to him, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. Now, people are being checked off because at first he might have thought it was Lot. Well, now Lot left. And now the next guy in line is potentially uh, Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham is saying, I'm going to have to give everything I own to this guy who's just a servant. And Abram said, you've given me no children. So a servant born in my household will be my heir. And this was a big deal with those people in those days. And by the way, if he's going to fulfill everything that God said, I'm going to bless the whole earth through you and through your seed, he's got to have a son. He's got to have children. So God had already demonstrated financial blessings. Abram was very rich in cattle, silver, and gold, Genesis 13 too. He had protective blessings. We see that in his war with the four kings of the east. He had favor with the neighboring tribes. Nobody would mess with him in Canaan. They said, you're a mighty prince among us. So he had favor. Nothing had been specifically revealed about a son. He's got all these other blessings. And so many parts of the covenant have come true. But the one part that meant the most to him, not only has it not come true, but God had him really talked about it. So in Genesis 15, 4, the word of the Lord came to him. And this is what he said. This man, Eliezer of Damascus, he won't be your heir. But a son coming from your own body will be your heir. God is saying for the first time, your heir will be your biological son. Then he took him outside the tent and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars. Dry climate in the Middle East and... Uh, any given night, you could look up, and if you could count them all, there would be about 8,000 visible stars there. And he said, if indeed you can count them all, that didn't even scratch the surface uh, because uh, there were 600,000 men of war who came out of Egypt when uh, the children of Israel were delivered. Uh, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be, saying they're going to be like the stars of the heavens. So Abraham knows now, I will be a biological father of this heir to come. But God doesn't say anything about Sarah. The Bible says that Abram believed the Lord, and he credited this to him for righteousness. So what I want you to see in all of this is that God is gently leading Abram step by step. He's laying out the plan. He's not telling him everything. He's not saying anything about Sarai being the mother doesn't say a word about her. There, you cannot fault Abram and Sarai for wanting to try to have a baby through Hagar. We'll talk more about that in another episode. But you can't fault them because God has not specifically said, I am going to cause Sarai to have babies. God didn't say that. She was completely barren. And this is what must have been perplexing to Abram. God has already obviously done a number of things. I mean, the victory over these kings from the east, the favor that God gave him in Egypt, how God rescued Sarah from Pharaoh's harem and plagued the Egyptians when they took her into the harem. Uh, he has seen one thing right after another after another. Uh, God has given him amazing wealth. He has all of these blessings 
Melchizedek, this king who's known for righteousness, and he's also a priest, comes out and he confirms that Abram is blessed by God. So he's got all of these blessings, but there hasn't been one word said about Sarai. What's that tell us? If that detail is missing, it's because the timing is not right. Now, if you don't get anything else I say, get this. If you are not getting a detail that you think you need, it is because it is not time for that detail to be manifested. And it's just that simple. We want the plan all laid out, spelled out for us months, years before we actually get there. All of us want to know the future. We all are wired that way. I'm as curious as you are about what's coming in the days ahead. But you know, God doesn't always tell me. God gives me enough knowledge to walk out what I've got right now. And so I take the steps that are before me, and sometimes I have nowhere to go. I've taken every step that he put in my path. I've done all I know to do. And there was a time when the children of Israel had that very same experience. They followed Moses out of Egypt. They went to the shores of the Red Sea. They'd done everything they knew to do. Now they are under pressure because Pharaoh is coming with his army to kill them. They cannot go to the north. The mountains go all the way down to the water there. They cannot go to the south. The mountains go all the way down to the water there. Before them is the Red Sea, and behind them is the army of Pharaoh, and he's coming up a road in the canyon that was the only way in and the only way out to that beach. And so God said to the children of Israel, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And there are times when we follow God, all we can do is stand still. And when you stand still, there's nothing you can do. So what does that mean? It means it's time for God to do what only He can do. So it may be frustrating to you, but actually you're in a pretty good place because you're in a place where you're going to get to see God do an amazing thing. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You know, when you're walking and moving and you're grabbing and doing as fast as you can to to take advantage of what's falling into your hand, uh, you're really not seeing a whole lot of anything. Uh, but it's when you're standing still, when there's nothing you can do. That's when you're focused on, okay, what is the next step? And God said, when you're standing still, that's when you're going to see the salvation of the Lord. Oh, boy, do I love this. This is so good. God's going to lead you in much the same way as he did Abraham, and he's going to lead you at a step at a time. And you know why? Because he wants to build your faith. Nobody becomes a faith giant overnight. It takes time. And uh, you can read in a book, you can read somebody's books, you can build your faith by listening to somebody's messages. Uh, you, You certainly get your faith built when you go to church. But can I tell you this? There's no substitute for hearing the Word of God and then going out and actually practicing the Word, putting the Word to work in your life, doing it after you've heard it. That's when it really becomes yours. Well, my time is gone for this broadcast. Don't miss tomorrow's episode. I can hardly wait to get into it. I'll see you then.